Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. Okay, Phil, today, so we're excited to welcome Coach Eli Drinkwitz to the Sea Captain Way podcast. Eli is the head coach of the University of Missouri football team. He's considered one of college football's top offensive minds. The 2022 campaign will mark his third year at the helm of the program and his fourth season as a head coach. In 2020, he became one of four new coaches in the SEC, the nation's toughest conference. Yeah, welcome, Coach. Uh, Great to see you and uh, spend some time today with you. It was fun uh, just to give a little backstory. Coach Drinkwitz and I met at, in Naples at uh, an alumni event this past uh, winter and uh, shared some thoughts about vision, what he does, what I do. And uh, we've been able to do some project work together, which has been cool. And so uh, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, appreciate the opportunity to get on with you all, the Sea Captain podcast. And, uh, Share some thoughts and ideas. I got to argue with Greg a little bit. He didn't give me credit for my head coach. I was the head seventh grade coach in 2005. And I don't guess that counts as head coaching experience, but you know, I like to lean back on some of those stories. Well, I stand corrected. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, no, four years, man. You know, Coach Malzon used to say college football ages you in dog years. So I don't know what dog (laughs) years I've got from head coaching experience, but I was looking at a picture the other day and this bald spot in the back is getting a lot, lot bigger. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I, I looked a lot like you about uh, 15 years ago. So I'm just saying. Yeah. But then you got into coaching (laughs) and and now, and now look at it. I know. Right. Isn't it terrible? So I was going to, I guess it's fair game, Greg, for me to brag about my fifth grade high jump ribbon in uh, uh, at this point since yeah i would bring up everything, everything. yeah uh, right yeah. i mean my falls my fallsbury flop was pretty solid uh, yeah so uh, hey so one of the reasons we were excited to have you join us today is to hear about your perspective as a college football coach in the sec of course but also to talk about leadership recruiting, motivation, things that we do here at Sea Captain that are yeah. congruent with what you do every day. These are the these are the topics we use. So what are some of the qualities you need to be able to head a major college football program? What have you learned? Wow. You know, I think without having I think anytime you you speak about yourself it's a little bit tougher. I would say probably the number one characteristic that I have that anybody who's been around me and worked with me and, and helped me get to where I'm at would, would be a GSD quality, just get stuff done. Whatever the task is that's given to me, and I'm still that way as the head coach, when I'm presented with a problem, then man, I'm going to move heaven and earth until I get that problem solved. When I first got my GA opportunity with, with Coach Malzon, Coach Chizik was the head coach. Coach Malzon was the offensive coordinator to Auburn. There was three really new additions to the Auburn in 2010, Cam Newton, myself, and, and Michael Dyer. We ended up winning the national championship. I think I had a lot more to do with it than anybody else. Some people would say it was Cam. But my number one job was to be in the office and make sure the copy was ready for coach when he got in. That was it. And when I mastered that, 
And my next job was to be able to go to get him breakfast and lunch. And I can still to this day tell you what go- Coach Malzahn orders at Chick-fil-A, what he gets at Barbecue House, what he gets at Hardee's. They used to have a loaded omelet biscuit at Hardee's. They don't even have it anymore. I can tell you that he's going to get a sausage burrito minus onions with two packs of salsa. I can tell you at Sonic, he's going to get a supersonic double cheeseburger. But that was just my role. Awesome. And man, I was really good at it. And two years later, I was named the running backs coach, special teams coordinator at Arkansas State. And I think for me, that was just like, man, whatever they give you to do, embrace it, do it to the very best of your ability with urgency. Now, as I've gotten older, I think there's some other things, but that would be the number one thing. I think the second thing that I've really learned is low ego, high output. Like, I really don't care who has the best. I I don't care whose idea it is. It's just, what's the best idea? And I, I will push my staff and I will push back on my staff, not from an ego standpoint, but just to make sure that they believe that, that their idea is really good. Because I tell them all the time, for us, it's preference versus performance. We all have preferences in life. Like I prefer my steak medium, all right? But it doesn't mean I won't eat it well done. It doesn't mean I won't eat it medium well or rare. Like we all have preferences. I want what's best for our performance as a team, as a staff. And I think those are the qualities that I really value in the people that I work with. Get stuff done. When I give them assignment, do they get stuff done? Because that's what helped me. Mm-hmm. Low ego, high output. Like it doesn't matter whose idea it is. Was it the best idea? And then again, it's not about preference. What's going to help our team perform at the highest level? And for me, I think those are the qualities that I look for. And that's really in the mm-hmm. hiring process. And, and when I look around college football. I love that you talk about going all in on the little things, the the, the little tasks, just, you know, hit it hard. Yeah. Um, I read about uh, Nick Offerman from uh, Parks and Rec. You know, he is the comedian. I love him. Uh, he wrote a book I read and he said, uh, so he's become successful. And he said, if I need to hire somebody yeah. to my staff, he said, probably one of the best things I could do is ask him to sweep a room. He's like, everything you need to know about somebody you know, by how they go about it. And he goes, and if they move the furniture to do it, they're hired. (laughs) You know, that's a, that's a really good point because one of the things that we're actually, we've been talking to our staff and our team about right now is leave a place better than you found it. And how, how many times did our parents talk to us about that growing up, but do you really still apply it? And that's one of the things that at the university of Missouri, like and really in college football, at the end of the day, we're all hired guns. I I don't know how long I'm going to get to be here. But my goal is that whenever I'm done, whether they fire me or whatever, hopefully it's retire. Hopefully it's 15 years from now I'm retired here. I want to make sure it's in a better shape than when I took over. And that can be said for the locker room. When you leave every day, is it better than when you found it? And as a position player, did you did you elevate that position? And I think what you're talking about sweeping the room, like, did you leave that place better than you found it? And, and if you really have that mentality, man, you're going to go in there and you're going to move the furniture and you're going to yep. move the rug and you're going to make sure you get all of it. And now, if they asked me to do it, I've been known to sweep dirt under the rug. And that, <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't a good deal either. Uh, that's a good way to keep your tenure, right? Yeah, yeah it really is. <laughs> yeah. So as a leader, how do you encourage your players to develop their leadership skills? We have a leadership class that uh, we do in the spring, and it's totally voluntary. Anybody can attend it. But if you don't attend it, then you can't be on the leadership council. And then once we get the leadership council, 
you know, we meet with them every week, myself and our assistant head coach, we meet, we've actually given them a book, mm -hmm. 13 ways to be a better captain, team captain. And, and uh, we've been going through that book on just what are the qualities and traits of leadership and, and how do we improve? I think there's a lot of different, we don't have leadership. Oh, we don't, well, you got to teach it, you mm -hmm. know, and then you got to give opportunities for them to demonstrate leadership. And so one of the things we did this past April, our number one core value in our program is always compete. And competition can be viewed as me versus somebody else, but the, actually the root word is to strive together and to be the best version of yourself. And so when we always compete, we created teams and then we, we let those guys, hey, you pick the team. Okay. Mm -hmm. You pick who's in charge of each team. And then we'll provide the competition and we'll provide the score. But y'all, y'all provide what's the reward, what's the punishment yeah, if you don't yeah. win, who's going to be in charge of the team. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a way for us to just say, instead of always hand delivering it for them, let them compete, but let them demonstrate some leadership. And then that was some good and some bad. You learn a lot of good things. But then this summer, we've been able to go back in and now put this curriculum together, this book that says, okay. Y'all had your, your opportunity to lead. Now here are some other things to think about so that when we get into the season, maybe we're a little bit further ahead. But I would say, you know, how do you train leadership? Mm -hmm. You actively focus on training leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, Gary, I'll never forget Gary Pinkle told me this first time I had coffee with him. He said, you're taking over a team. The first thing your coaches are going to say is we don't have leaders. Well, that's their job. Their jobs are to lead. So if you don't have it, you have to provide it, you know, and so until you have those players on their own that are leading, everybody would love that. We had that when I took over, I wouldn't have probably taken mm -hmm. over. Right. So coaches have got to provide that leadership until those players are ready to take over on their own. And then you've got to give them opportunities to grow and demonstrate leadership and demonstrate failure and then coach them up on it so that the next yeah. time they can go a little bit further. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That makes total Makes total sense. The, uh, you know, I use that phrase all the time, Greg. If, if you're looking around for the leader in the room and you can't find them, you're it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Nice. So nice. one of the things that Eli, that I, I emphasize in the sea captain coaching program is, you know, good to great type concepts. Jim yeah. Collins, you know, I'm sure you're familiar. And there are three that I really focus on with salespeople, business owners, financial advisors. Most of my coaching, uh, surgical specialty. And number one is who you're in front of. Two, team you build around you. And three is client experience you provide. You know, those three things we emphasize consistently in, in our branding, which will take you from the place you are now to the place you want to get to. Now, nowhere would this be more evident than, you know, a team competing at the highest level in the SEC. Missouri's been now recognized as one of the top 10 recruiting schools in the national rankings. Nice work. Congratulations. What are some of the key areas you're focusing in in this space that's allowed you to achieve this new level and success in recruiting? Well, it's it's funny that you, you talk about good to great. That's a book that I very much enjoy, think about. And one of the things that we actually talk about is you got to put processes in place, like you got to create the flywheel so that you can make the mistakes yep. and get it going faster. If you if everything's one off, there's no process to continually improve. So uh, it, it, that's a good recognition point there for me and, and just 
love and, and really appreciate that book. But what we talk about in recruiting, so things are three, the, the number one thing, we really focus on three things in recruiting. Number one is relationships. Okay. You have to build a relationship, whether it's the position coach or the recruiting coach with the player and everybody involved in the decision, the champion of the decision. That could be the high school coach. That could be mom, grandma, mentor, dad. There's a lot of different factors, but number one is we got to build a relationship with that person. Number two is always be selling and selling is you're either selling what you've done in the past or what you will do in the future. All of our coaches here have a really strong past has given them the opportunity to coach here, whether it's been as a coordinator, whether it's been as a head coach, we got to be selling that and also what the vision is for the future that they can be a part of, right? And then the third thing, and I think the most important is a unique on-campus experience. So when they come to campus, what are they going to do here at the University of Missouri that they're not going to get a chance to do at Iowa, Iowa State? Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, or any other school that we're recruiting against. And so to me, when they have the unique on-campus experience, then we go to that Disney vision, right, which is you got to have a a, a beginning and an end, and it's got to have detailed all the way through. Uh, You got to put your people out in front, right? And and you really got to push your people that goes back to our selling point, right? You're selling your people. And then the the last part is they got to have that aha moment. They got to have that magic moment for us. It's the crescendo. Mm. I'm not sure when this podcast is going public, but this weekend we have an incredible collection of talent coming from all over the country, but specifically focus on our in-state players. And on that Saturday night, we're going, and we've been planning this event forever, but it's really coming to the point now on Saturday night, we're doing this really nice dinner on the on the field and we'll go to the logo and we'll play a highlight video. And the crescendo is we're having a helicopter come in over the stadium, circle twice. And how you signify a commitment to us is you sign a, a football and, and, you know, because when you win the championship, everybody holds up a crystal ball. So us signing the ball is like a, a commitment to us trying to compete for a championship. And we're going to drop a ball from a helicopter for anybody to sign. Wow. That's the magic moment. Now. Yeah, there's a lot of planning that's got to go on. Specifically, we got to make sure that the helicopter can circle a couple of times. Yeah, but that goes back to what you're saying. Like for me, I think recruiting is all about having focus. I think too many times there's not enough focus. There's one-offs. No, number one, we have a relationship with the young man and the family and the decision makers. Number two, what are we selling that they need to be sold on? Whether it's what we've done in the past, what we're going to do in the future, and what are they going to be a part of? And then number three is what is that unique on campus experience? Because to mm-hmm. me, recruiting doesn't even begin until they step foot on campus. There's a lot of people that you can have a relationship with. You can be selling all day. But until they put forth the effort to be at Columbia, at the University of Missouri, then your experience doesn't begin. And you got to separate yourself from everybody else. If they're going to use five official visits, you got to separate yourself. And what is that separator? And again, planned out from start to finish put your people out front. And then what is that magic moment? Wow. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Good good stuff. stuff. You're touching on some things near and dear to the sea. I know Phil loves uh, talking about the Disney caliber of of client experience (laughs) and the helicopter thing off the charts. Cool. Do you need a a bender to fast rope out of that helicopter onto the field or? uh... (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but let me get into this one. So, there's two different types of helicopters, right? There's a piston driven helicopter and then there's non-piston driven, but the piston driven helicopter actually 
has exhaust fumes that go out the back and they're not allowed to land on our turf because they'll burn it. All right. Well, oh, no way. Wow. Yeah. So we only have access to a piston driven helicopter. And so then it was like, well, we could try to land it on the side, but then that was some logistics. So then we said, well, can we just like top gun this thing and like come in and dip and then get out of there? And, and they were like, well, nice. you know, that's so actually we first said, can we just like step off? Like you just hover at the 50 and we'll just step off. And that they said no. So then we said, "Can we rope out like Phil wants to do?" And they're like, "Now, <laughs> now you went from top Top Gun to Mission Impossible." Yeah, right. So we're there still in top, we're, we're still in the Tom Cruise phase. So we said, "Forget that. We're just going to drop the ball out of the top." I love it. I love, love it. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so Coach Phil and his team at Sea Captain Coaching track a lot of different metrics for their clients to measure their success and progress towards achieving goals. And I've heard you say that you're scoreboard-based business, yeah. and it's all about wins and losses, um, which I know has a big impact on recruiting. So, what are some of the metrics that you look at to measure success in a player and you know in your team? This is really a tough question, Greg and Phil, because I think for me personally, I don't define my success personally in this business with the scoreboard, but I de- define it for you know professionally. I'm either going to be employed or unemployed based off the scoreboard. And so we have to understand that it it is about winning. But I also understand that I can be incredibly successful because there's a lot of things that occur winning and losing, dealing with 18 to 22 year olds that are out of my control based off the impact that I have on these young men's lives. You know, when we talk about coming into our program, what we sell is chasing two dreams, a life with football, maximizing your ability to play this game at the highest level. And there's a lot of things that you can do with this game, hopefully play in the NFL. But the reality of it is there's going to be a lot of these guys that don't make it because it's much like a Navy SEAL. There's a lot of highly trained individuals that don't make it through Bud's training. Okay. doesn't mean they're not successful. Right. So there's a second dream for them to chase. And that's life outside of the game of football. That's using this unbelievable academic institution. I don't know if you knew this, Greg. Um, or Phil, I know y'all are Mizzou grads, but we're an AAU, AAU institution. There's only six to three, 63s in the country. All right. Number one journalism school in the country, top 25 business school. You're getting an incredible degree that can change your life and the trajectory of your future through the University of Missouri. And so for me, we absolutely keep score and know that I'm going to be employed or unemployed based off the scoreboard. We got to win. But I can also look myself in the mirror and say that we can keep score based off the impact that we make on these young men's lives. Do young men's lives? Do they get a degree? Are they going to be a positive contributor to society? Because I can tell you this too: if we win a national championship, but all those kids end up in bad places in the future, they're not positive contributors to society. They don't go give back to the community. They don't come back onto this campus and, and help. Uh, give back to a campus that gave so much to them. I wouldn't consider myself a success either, though. So I think it's yeah. for that. For me, it's both. But I, I'm not under any illusion that if we don't win, they're going to keep me based on our graduation rate. Like I get that. All right. So <laughs> right. It, it's both. But I, I lay my head on the pillow knowing that that's both of my jobs. Yeah. And can embrace both of them, understanding that really one will only be measured by the fans and by the administration. And that's, that's perfectly okay. I signed up for that. 
but knowing that both really matter. Yeah, that's it, it's so appropriate, you know, because leaving it on the field has a lot of different levels. And yeah. uh, one of it is bringing people to a growth space from where they started. And you did make a, you scored a lot of points with Greg. Greg is a journalism school grad from the University of Mizzou. So he's a, he's a J school grad. I was a barely grad. <laughs> um, I knew I was good. I knew I was going to be making phone calls for a living when I finished, but the, uh, but anyway, uh, what we do is, uh, we focus a lot of energy when we're working with clients on culture, building culture which allows all the team members to grow at full potential, not just the leaders, not just the owners, but the team itself, the staff and, and all those focused. And then a, a uh, visionary life is a team sport. So can you explain the type of culture you're building at Mizzou and, uh, and how you getting the players to commit in this uh, shared vision? Yeah. I think culture is probably the most important thing that I've been working on in this space. And I think it's one of those things that is so talked about now that people think that they can snap their fingers, read a book or have a seminar and that their culture's changed. And what I've learned going into my third season is, number one, culture is not what you say. It's what you repeatedly do Um, as a leader, as coaching staff, as everybody in your organization. It doesn't matter the signs you have up. It's what your actions are on a daily basis is a representation of your culture. Okay. And so that's number one. And number two, just because you have issues within your culture doesn't mean that you're not moving in the right direction. You're going to have to face confrontation. Without confrontation, there is no growth. There's going to have to be confrontation as you try to establish and implement the culture that you want. You know, for us, there's four core values that we talk about to to really develop the culture that we want. And number one is to have always compete, uh, to be better today than we were yesterday, to be better tomorrow than we are today. For us, I want to my always compete is to be better than it's ever been done before. And so I'm constantly what motivates me as a person is to find that thing that's not been done at a place and to do it. Like, I don't ever want to be the second guy to climb Mount Everest. Like, that, that don't bother me none at all. I'd prefer not to go do that. Like, I, I want to be the first coach to win the SEC at Mizzou. And that's what keeps me up at night. So it's to find that thing for them to always compete. And we talked about it. competition is not you versus somebody else. It's to strive together. We're all on the same team. Yes, we all have individual goals, but we got to sacrifice our individual goals for the group goal which is what is behind us, our goal is to win the SEC East in a bowl game with class integrity and academic excellence. We do that through always compete. Number two is build trust and respect. I think the foundation of any relationship is the ability to trust each other and to respect their perspectives of where they're coming from. That's what's going to help you create a inclusive environment. You know, diversity is a fact in college football. You're going to have all kinds of diverse people, whether it's socioeconomic backgrounds, whether it's cultural backgrounds, race, racial backgrounds, religion backgrounds, size backgrounds, speed backgrounds, diversity is 100% a fact. Inclusion is not working together. How do you have an inclusive environment is through trust and respecting the diversity of each other. And so that's what we talk about uh, in our culture. The third is to do more than what's expected. I think the definition of average, if you do what everybody else does, 
that's the definition of average, especially in a work environment or a college football environment. You have to be willing to put in the extra work ethic. That goes back to my original quality of GSD. And then the last one that I've, I've really learned on and leaned on, especially in this new age of college football, is enjoy the journey. Instead of thinking about a destination, it's really about the journey that we're on together. And while we're on that journey together, embrace it. When people's journeys go other places, I've been around those organizations where somebody comes in and they have a different opportunity or a promotion or they're leaving for whatever reason. People get frustrated and angry and mm, something's wrong. Man, I don't know. Nowadays, I think that's their journey. This is the journey we're on. These are the values that we hold. This is the culture that we're about. And anybody wants to be on that journey with us, man, let's roll. Anybody that doesn't, right. good luck. So that, yeah. that's how I embrace culture. That's kind of how we define our culture. And like I said, <laughs> I've been doing this for two and a half years. Are we perfect in our culture? Absolutely not. Are there good days and bad days? Yes. But I've also learned what those things that I say, those are just things you say. It's what you do. So then in our strength and conditioning, we have the ability to always compete. We PR, personal records. Again, it's about how you strive not against each other together. So we have PRs every single week. And if you PR, you get to go ring the bell in front of your teammates. That's our always compete culture. Trust and respect is our unity groups. It's our, our um, social justice uh, initiatives. It's our community service. How do we build that trust? How do we build that respect? It's having player uh, coaching dinners where we go to each other's homes and eat. It's brotherhood and ball on Wednesday night doing more than what's expected, allowing them to come in on their own and saying, hey, you don't have to do this. If you want to, you want to, to see that develop. And then enjoy the journey is is just the fun times that you get to have with each other and, and laugh and giggle and, and have fun. Yeah. To kind of touch on the, the theme of the journey. So Phil uses the analogy that uh, the journey to striving to reach your ultimate goal is like trying to climb a mountain. Mm -hmm. um, and it all starts with establishing where you are today, you know, your base yeah. camp and identifying the strategic steps necessary to get to the summit for your vision of the future. How do you see uh, the future of the Mizzou football program and what do you want the team to accomplish over the next three to five years? Yeah, I think for us, when I first took over the program, you know, people come in and do a lot of different things when they first take over. Some coaches will come in and just burn every, not burn, literally burn everything to the ground, but they'll, they'll basically gut the roster, flush everybody out and then rebuild it. I just didn't feel like we wanted, I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted mm -hmm. to win. I wanted to win. I wanted to change the culture. I wanted to improve the talent all at the same time. And that creates challenges, right? You know, you still got people that, uh, are they bought in? Did you run the guys out that weren't good enough? So when I think about our program right now, I, I think it's exactly what Phil is saying. It, it's, I knew where we were at. We were not talented enough to compete in the SEC at a high level. Consequently, they had lost six games in a row when I took over the job. And they had struggled for the previous four years in this league. So I knew that we needed to increase our talent while recruiting our state harder than we've ever recruited it before. I think we've been able to do that and win and change the culture at the same time, which is hard to do. There's only two coaches in school history uh, that in their first two years, they've been to bowl games, a guy that's got a statue out in front and myself. 
that's just the reality of what we're trying to do. So I think we're moving in the right direction. I know that we're more talented now than the day I took the job. But I also know that we've got the most difficult schedule that we've had this coming season. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we've got five games on the road, all five versus power five opponents. So it's going to be a tremendous challenge. I think the process of building a championship team is you've got to continually increase your talent level so that the competition that you have within the locker room can raise the total level of the team, right? Mm -hmm. If you just bring in one talented class and nobody else is as talented, then that's as far as you're going to get, right? But we all know that what's the old saying, the the sum is greater than the the individual part, Mm -hmm. right? So we're trying to stack great team, you know, great talent upon each other, knowing that that competition can be that extra motivation to get us to the top or propel us over the top. I firmly believe, I don't know what the future of college football is. I think that's the hardest thing. I don't know what the future of divisions are, but I know that the past two years, we signed the best class in school history and we signed the second best class in school history, but we did it like in 2019 or 2020 was the best class in school history. In 2021, it was the best class in school history. In 2022, it was the best class in school history. If we can do that again in 23, I firmly believe that we're going to be competing for that conference championship. And that's the goal. And I'm never going to come off of that. I did not come here to win eight games. And I ain't won eight games yet. But I chose this job because I felt like it's a place that had an extreme challenge, but the rewards would be even better. And so I'm committed to saying, man, I want to win at the highest level possible. And I firmly believe that, man, if you set your goals here and it's too low, you're going to be really disappointed when you reach them. I promise you, if I set my goals to the SEC championship, I'm not going to be disappointed when we reach them. So that's what our goal is, and I'm not coming off of it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, as we wrap, Greg, today, yeah, Coach, uh, just wonderful to spend the time with you. I, I do want you to be aware I do have uh, a couple years of eligibility left. So if you're, <laughs> if you're looking for something, I, I did yeah. that right as he was drinking. He almost spit yeah. out his water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I could still pass block, I think. But yeah. it was just a real uh, great experience. And I have just continued every time we connect. I just get more and more energy yeah. from uh from what you bring, I can see why the recruiting is as strong as it is. I can see the core tenets of what of what you're doing, and uh, people are responding. And yeah. and Craig, as you saw firsthand, he's out there beating the drum, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking to people, you just have a great gift for connecting with people quickly and at a very high level. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I think for me too, just going back to your deal is, I, I'm not one of these guys that get disappointed when it's not. Growth is not always linear, right? I mean, there's going to be good days, bad days. It's just that consistent improvement over time, and you're going to see the effects. There's an understanding, like, and I'm not even a a stock guy, but look, has anybody ever seen the stock market go straight up all time? No, I mean, it's going to go down, but you believe that over time it's going to increase. That's why you put your retirement in it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing when you build a program, in my opinion, like you can't get distracted when you have a bad day or have a bad game. Like we got our tails kicked by Tennessee. Most embarrassing day of my life as a head football coach. But immediately I got in the car and I called a staff meeting the next morning and walked in and said, guys, the most important thing we can do is beat North Texas. 
we have to beat North Texas. You can't get distracted by the fact that we're obviously not as talented as we need to be. We're obviously not where we need to be in the SEC. Man, the most important thing is to beat North Texas because that's going to get us bowl eligible. And if we can get bowl eligible, then we can continue to grow as a program. And so to me, I think that's where for our program's sake and what we're doing, going back to that three to five years, like we're taking the right steps. You can't get distracted by a, a, a short-term defeat, man. Stay yeah. the course. Believe in your process. Believe in the core values that you have. Believe in the culture that you're establishing. And even if you have a bad day with your culture, man, go back and say, hey, what's the next step? It's like Phil was talking about. Know where you're at base camp. Know where you're going. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not going to have yeah. a slip. You keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. Well, thanks for the pep yeah. talk. I'm about to go running out of the room here through the door. That was awesome. <laughs> So I gave it to myself too. Yeah, right. Like, All right, let's go. Yeah. So Tigers first game, September 1st, Louisiana Tech at yeah. in Columbia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So my nephew went well, to Louisiana Tech. He's a played baseball. He's a bulldog. So there will be some, oh, wow. some trash talking. I told them the Bulldogs are to get stomped like narcs at Valley Sean. So look out, buddy. <laughs> hey man, it's either them or us. And I'm gonna choose us every time. So I I don't apologize. Yeah. For- for beating somebody, man. When you step in that arena, yeah, it's uh, you got to go. Right. Game on. Game on. Game Thanks on. again, cool. Coach. Uh, Thank you. We, uh, it was it was a real pleasure, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll talk soon. M I Z. Z O U. Z O U. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way Podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey. <laughs>